The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and I still don't have eye candy to the left of me. Aww. Aww. And we don't have Ralph Hicks either. Behind the glass, we got Andy Bishop. To my right. I keep trying variations. Sorry. <laughs> we got to do some music. Can you do like a, an intro, uh, like a wrestler when he walks into the thing, you know, for Cherry? I just want to, you know. I mean, yeah, we just got to like pick the. Yeah, pick it. It's got to be something non copyright, though. And or we'll get Cherry, the Annihilator, Lewis. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And guys, I have something really cool and special. If you remember. Uh, last week's episode, uh, when we had Sarita Edgerton on the show, uh, she has agreed to join us for our entire Esther series. So welcome, Sarita. Hi, Welcome thank back. You. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> like 10 minutes ago. Well, you know, I'm unforgettable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's get right into this thing. So you guys remember our special holiday edition of Purim? Uh, that it was about uh, the lot, you know, Purim stands for lot, which is where they cast lots. Uh, whenever Haman decided to eradicate the entire Jewish race. And so what we're going to do, guys, uh, for this special study, uh, for chapters one and two tonight, you guys have already heard an overview. And what I've decided to do, I'm going to read chapters one and two. So if you're going to get bored, feel free to read it yourself and then fast forward the uh, this episode or just sit back and listen. Uh, but if you will, go to the book of Esther and... Give me just a second, guys, because I was not prepared. What? I know. I, I know. Isn't that ridiculous? Mark the date, Andy. Mark it. Yes. I'm so so many so many times I'm not prepared, guys. Well, you sure pretend on the outside very well, Rick. I'm, I'm hiding. Impressed. I'm hiding the truth. <laughs> All right, Izzy e- Esther, Chapter One, uh, and I'm going to do this in the English Standard Version, if you guys don't mind. Now, in the days of Ahasuerus, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces, in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in Susa, the, the citadel, in the third year of his reign, he gave a feast for all his officials and servants. The army of Persia and Media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were before him. While he showed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor and pomp of his greatness for many days, 180 days, and when these these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in Susa the citadel, both great and small, a feast, lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and violet hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rods and marble pillars, and also couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, 
mother of pearl and precious stones. Drinks were served in golden vessels, vessels of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king. And drinking was according to this edict. There is no compulsion. I'm going to stop there for a second. In my mind, whenever I did this during the Purim episode, I thought that meant you can drink as much as you want. There's no worries. Actually, it means that you don't have to drink. And I didn't know that. In their culture, if they give you something, food or something to drink, oh, you have to take. You it. have to, or you're going to insult the host. So he's saying, as the host, if you don't want to drink, you don't have to. You can just enjoy the company. That's which is, that's so weird. Like drinking, drinking option. Like show up at a place and yeah, this is you don't have to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's, except he's it's, uh, the king's bringing all, bringing well, all of it. says it says the drinking was not compulsory. Yeah, there is no compulsion. It means that you don't have to if you don't want, which is pretty cool. I never the, noticed that before. For the king had given orders to all the staff of his palace to do as each man desired. Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women in the palace that belonged to King Ahasuerus. So before I go on to verse 10, Esther opens up with a lot of feasting. You learn about this king and you learn about how rich this king is. He has so much and it's all about a feast. And just keep that in mind, feasting at the beginning of the book of Esther, okay? Verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abagtha, Zathar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who served in the presence of King Hasuerus, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown, in order to show the peoples and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. But Queen Vashti refused to come to the, at the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. At this the king became enraged, and his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise men who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure toward all who were versed in law and judgment, the men next to him being Karshena, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Maris, Marsena, and Memucan, the seven princes of the Persia and Media, who saw the king's face and sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti, because she has not performed the command of King Ahasuerus, delivered by the eunuchs? He's curious, you know, what is it? Then Memucan said in the presence of the king and the officials, not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come." This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media, who have heard of the queen's behavior, will say the same to all the king's officials, and there will be contempt and wrath in plenty. If it please the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to come before King Ahasuerus. And let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she." Now, I'm getting ready to read verse 20. And if you remember from our Purim episode, I said that there were acrostics that were built inside of this. The name of God is never in it in our English version, but in the Hebrew version, it is known. They use a trick. It's a code. They use it throughout this. Was it four times? Yeah, it's four times throughout this book, maybe five. There was one that could possibly be I am. But the J... V H 
Am I thinking J V? J V. Is it Y? How's it go? J H W H. Right? J H V H. How does it go? Yahweh. Then the letters, the tetragrammaton. You know, we say Jehovah in English, Yahweh in in Hebrew. So it's the name of so God. So it's not the one with no uh, vowels from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, what I don't know what that one is. Maybe. <laughs> So anyway, the first acrostic that we see in this is in reverse. And this be, it, and the reason why is because whenever you see God's acrostic name in reverse, it means that it's coming from the Gentile mind. If you see it in forward, it's coming from God. So this one in reverse, verse 20. So when the decree made by the king is proclaimed throughout all his kingdom, for it is vast, all women will give honor to their husbands, high and low alike. This advice pleased the king and the princes, and the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in its own script, and to every people in its own language, that every man be master in his own household and speak according to the language of his people. So, before I go on to chapter two, so you get this introduction of this king that we've, you know, Ahasuerus. So I had said before, this is Xerxes the first, and it is. But what I did find out is that Ahasuerus is the Hebrew word for the Persian name of a king. It could be, there's many Ahasuerus's. That's why it says, this is the Ahasuerus of this, 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 and this. Okay. So it sort of gives you a time so, in so history. It's a little bit of a title. It is. And so that's how we learn that it's Xerxes the first, actually, because it could have been Artaxerxes. So it is Xerxes the first. Now, so what we have learned, what we this think about all the things we've learned already. The king is rich. He's got eunuchs beside him that do his bidding. He's got princes that are sitting there in his ear. These guys, they think that what Queen Vashti has done is wrong. Now he was probably drunk and wanting her to come, you know, show his wife, acting like the pig-headed man that he was. Very emotional, very narcissistic, most likely. And so yeah, somebody she, that doesn't hear no. Right. And if you want to know more about that, you know, Cherry actually covered a lot about Vashti and why she may have not wanted to do it or, you know, because of her birthright or because, um, and you can go back to listen to that episode mm -hmm. to get more on that. So let's go on to chapter two, because now we're seeing a divorce. This is, and whenever the king makes a decree, it cannot be reversed in the Persian, in the Persian world. When a decree is made, it cannot be reversed. Not even the king can reverse it. So it has to happen. As they said in that, uh, the Egyptian king, Yul Brenner in Ten Commandments, so it is written, Don't so it shall be drunk. done. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So chapter two. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus had abated, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Have you guys ever met a man that yells at a woman or, and then afterwards he's really apologetic? Yep. Uh, are you seeing that in this guy? <laughs> so he's like, man, I'm sorry, I was, baby. I don't do that again. Yeah, I'm sorry, baby. Uh -uh. I was hammered last night, baby, but it can't be reversed. But now he was upset because not only had he done it out of anger and most likely being drunk, but he'd made a decree and now it was done. So and there's nothing he can do about it. Feels he probably feels a fool, considering that she was hot. Queen, he didn't get Queen Vashti for no reason. I mean, she was powerful and she was very beautiful. Okay? I see this. No, look what you made me do. <laughs> yeah, 
I, that you still it's gotta got blame that the energy, woman, right? Yeah. It's got that energy. Yeah, I mean, he was on a seven day bender. That's <laughs> what it said. He was on a seven day bender. That's true. Uh, and he made this drunk. Don't make laws drunk. And that what just Andy just said. Make laws yeah. Drunk. Don't, yeah, don't law drunk. Don't law drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then the king's young men who attended him said. Let beautiful young virgins be sought out for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom to gather all the beautiful young virgins to the harem and Seuss of the citadel, under custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. Let their cosmetics be given them, and let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This pleased the king, and he did so. I bet it did. (laughs) Probably soothed his ego He was like, yeah, let's get some virgins and make them pretty. Well, so, Um, but part of that is that once they were taken and brought to the harem, they never got sent back to their families. So they stayed there. This was a permanent thing. It was permanent. And so once he chose the winner, Miss USA or Miss Universe or whatever, Miss Persia, then the other one stayed in the harem and they never could go back. They became a concubine. They became a concubine. That's so right. So it was a law, and he couldn't reverse it. So they were there. <laughs> Nobody can see Cherry's face. What's so, the face for, so Cherry? So they were betrothed. If they were betrothed. That's totally just if they were, You have up. a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure I'm sorry I for interrupting you. Please <laughs> no, but if they were betrothed to someone, and they were still unmarried and a virgin, they still had to go. And so those marriages were just wow. gone. That's right. Wow. She's exactly right. So- uh, verse five. Now there was a Jew in Susa the citadel whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimea, son of Kish, a Benjaminite. Now, in my uh, in the holiday edition, I brought up Kish. Okay, so number one, Kish. We said that would bring our minds. It was the father of Saul, King Saul. We talked about that. Okay, I was wrong. It's a different Kish. It's when you go into the Chronicles, you'll find this Kish. He came out. This Kish actually was in the fourth um, exile from Babylon, uh, from uh, Israel to Babylon. He was part of that exile. His father was. So this is. It's it's really that soon to Daniel. It's that close. So it's that Kish. However, he is still a Benjaminite, which is still why Agag would feel the way he will feel. Uh, not Agag, but Haman, who was an Agagite. Right. We'll get into that. It's still the same, but it is not the same Kish. Okay, so we're much farther removed from uh, the Kish, who was the father of King Saul, uh, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Let's stop. I want you to understand, we believe that this Bible was written by the Holy Spirit, that it was Holy Spirit driven, inspired by God, breathed, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. So what did it say about her? She was beautiful. Okay. He wants you to know that. He wants you to know that about her. We need to keep that in our minds. We need to remember that the Holy Spirit is telling you that she was fair to look at. Okay, that's an important thing. It's going to play a very important role later. Uh, So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa the citadel in custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor, 
and he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. That's unique. So she gets favor. So she's beautiful, but it's not only that she's beautiful, she's got character. Yeah, there's something that attracts. There's something that Haggai loves about her. And so he gives her the fast track. He tries to help her. Okay. Esther had not made known, not made known her people or kindred, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. So she was a Jew, but he said, Do not tell anybody that you're a Jew. Don't do it. That sort of tells you about what the society was like. They were still very marginalized. But she was gorgeous. And these guys just didn't seem to care where she was from. So Verse 11, and every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, when the turn came for each young woman to go into King Ahasuerus after being 12 months under the regulations for the women, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women, when the young woman went into the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. Now, uh, has anybody ever seen Aladdin in here? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you remember whenever Jasmine was being courted? And do you remember how the princes would come in and they would bring all the jewels and all the stuff? And so he got, you know, he got Robin Williams, yeah. <laughs> but he got, a, he got the uh, genie to get him an elephant to walk on and have all these jewels and all this pomp, right? Mm-hmm. It's in reverse. So these women were allowed to take whatever they wanted. And that's not even a joke. If they'd asked for the heart of the ocean and made, you know, if they'd asked whatever it and was. Leo DiCaprio would have gone and gotten it. <laughs> I caught that reference. You got it. So whatever they ask for, the idea is here is that they're allowed to bring whatever they think will impress the king. And that's the eunuch's job to help the women that are under their charge to do that very thing. Okay. So it says, from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go in and in the morning, she would return to the second harem in custody of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. So you're right. As soon as he left, they left, they went into that house, correct? Now, they went in at night, they left in the morning. Were they having breakfast? Hmm. Probably not. So They what were was having ha- something. What were they doing? They were having sex. That's correct. Now, uh, Esther was not married. We don't really talk about this in churches, but let's just be real. This is a real story. This young woman- This is a real human being. Was adorned to do nothing but try to please this man against her will to begin with. We got to remember that. She was taken from her family. She was going to be out of it for life. Mordecai was on the outside looking in, very concerned, obviously, wanting to know if she's okay. So this is a sad picture, Okay, so yes, her job now is to please this king in the hopes that she'll become queen. I don't know if that's what was on her mind, but she did whatever Haggai told her. We do know that. So now she would, she would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. So she could literally go in this house and never come out. It's a good possibility. And even if she did, she'd have to touch that narcissistic old drunkard. Persian dude that's just mean. Verse 15, when the turn came to Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Very smart move. 
She's not only beautiful and has character, she is smart. She knows how to work a room. She understands where the power's at. Hey, guy, fast-tracked her. He knows what the king likes. This woman has been given favor. She's game of throne in this thing. And yeah, and for her part, she's not asking for dumb stuff. She's looking at the person that's kind of in that has the ability to fast track her and and saying, All right, what do you think? Yeah, you are my master right now. Not Mordecai, not the king. This man, you're my master. Show me what I need to do. Tell me what to do. And he does. And she accepts and that she, she this is gonna this is her life forever. This is her life. And so she knows how I'm gonna make the best possible life I can make out of it. It is it That's is very right. it is very Game of Thrones thing. That is now a they are Game of Thrones verb? up in here. I don't even know. <laughs> hey, we've turned it into a verb. So <clears throat> verse uh let's see. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. How smart. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. She knocked the Persian socks off that dude. In every way that you can think of. And I don't mean that in just a sexual manner. I'm saying she walks in, he is- And all the other people around too. That's right. She'd already done that. And by the time she gets to the king, he literally, it sounds like it's immediate. It doesn't sound like she ever went back to the house. It sounds like it happened right then. And he was like, get me the crown royal, get it all up on this Esther. Right? So- it just sounded wrong the way I said it. Yeah, I didn't mean it. it. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, I, did a little. <laughs> I really didn't. I, if it was funny, then enjoy that laughter because usually it's a dad joke. All right. So she has uh, made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. Now, when the virgins were gathered together, the second time Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Esther had not made known her kindred or her people as Mordecai had commanded her. Even though she is the queen now, she's still obeying Mordecai. And she still has no power. That's right. But she's still obeying Mordecai, not the king. She is obeying the queen, but Mordecai, right? For Esther obeyed Mordecai just as when she was brought up by him. So she's the queen of all Persia, but she's still listening to Mordecai. It's interesting. In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Big Fan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. The guardian of the threshold is the, the two men standing outside the bedroom door. So these are the guys that you ever uh, threaten somebody like while you sleep, <laughs> you know? No, you haven't. No, <laughs> that's nice. She's like, no, no, no. So uh, these guys are the ones that while he was asleep, he they could go in and easily kill him. So verse twenty two, and this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther, and Esther told the king in the name of Mordecai. When the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men were both hanged on the gallows, and it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. This is a very important moment. And it was recorded in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. That is going to come back to you later. That's something to remember. Something that Mordecai does. It was recorded, but nobody really remembered that he did it. 
It's going to really pay a, you know, it's, it's going to be important later on in the story. So that's it. Chapter one and chapter two. Okay. Any comments, anything you guys want to say in, in regard to the second chapter? We're going to break it down in our next episode. We're really going to dig deep. We're probably going to do two to three instead of one to two. So anything you guys want to bring out? I I can't get over the way they discuss the law and uh, about whatever law it is. I don't even understand what law he makes about women and, and women like worshiping at the altar that is their husband or something like. Yeah. Like it, that doesn't. I know things change and you see things through the lens of your own time or whatever, but but like that doesn't even compute to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. It's like it's it sounds pandering, but but it's not. I just like I can't even imagine a society where women act the way that that description makes it sound like they might act. Yeah, all you have to do is go to Saudi Arabia. And you'll get it. And it's maybe exactly I need that. To, maybe I need to, yeah, branch out. But it's just like, it's <laughs> you don't. weird. To <laughs> Trust me, you don't, <laughs> don't need to branch out, I don't mean, Andy. I, know. I, don't, I don't mean to like, <laughs> I need to go learn from them. No, just to, <laughs> you know, to understand like a different, a very different society. Because it's just like, that language is so weird and foreign to me. Because you're just, I don't care what you do, people are people. Yeah. I kind of just believe that. And like, you can repress people, but I just like, man, you can't change their nature. And this is, this is like a long time before Christ's time. And even in Christ's time, we I've told you, women have always been second-class citizens, especially in that. And, and they are so, they're not so much now here in America, but there's still some issues with like, right, you know, equal pay. I mean, there, there's still some things that are going on in our country. And just think about it. It wasn't too long ago that women weren't even allowed to vote. In our own country, we're only talking a good what, hundred twenty years, hundred, yeah, right. It wasn't that long ago. It's kind of surprising. It's a hundred years. Was it a hundred years? It was nineteen twenty. There you go. Wow, so, hundred and two yeah. years. Yeah, and there's still a couple people alive from then. They wouldn't have known it because they would have been tiny. <laughs> but <laughs> there could have been. Yeah, it's that close. You know, just a little over a generation ago. So, any other comments? Well, I was just thinking about all the ladies that went in that never came out. You know, that was a lot of women. Wasn't were, it like 400 women? And so you think about those families, you know, that they belong to, like she said, maybe somebody that they had already been arranged to marry. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they're all gone. Every then, single eligible woman was gone. Yeah. So what are the single oh, men wow. doing? Every single eligible virgin woman. Now, maybe you could marry someone was who only, wasn't a virgin. I think there was only 400 of them, but I think there was only 400 in the entire realm, which was massive, 127 provinces. That's I think they picked 400 of the best. You know? That's, and, and I mean, I think Charlie Sheen's in more than that. Will we, Chamberlain, for sure. To Will Chamberlain, yeah, for sure. Will Chamberlain. But, you know, <laughs> Mordecai's coming, always checking, always checking. You know, what about the rest of those families? Yeah, they probably were, too. I don't know. Either that or is it just custom to go, well, that's what happened to him. Did he actually meet with all 400 girls or did he just get to Esther? He got to Esther and stopped. And and so it was like, we don't know where that was. It could have been 40. So did the rest of the and ladies like just get stuck as concubines? women didn't even get to like Good question. second base or whatever. I mean, in- I don't, I assume that it stopped. Just by the way I read it, it seems like as soon as he met Esther, it ended. Yeah. He found the one he wanted. Immediately. Um, but it, then, then again, it could have been like, he just remembered her. I, I mean, I don't know. 
Maybe he was like, well, let me try the, the other right, 400. It's, you know? it's hard. It's hard to that say. We don't know. But, but regardless, it's wild to me that she you found could, favor. Like, be torn asunder from your life and family. Human and trafficking. Then, and then they're just like, ah, you're good. We don't need you. Just kind of stay here forever. Stay in this house until the king wants you Yeah, but you could again. you imagine that? Like, but baby, you're the best. <laughs> you're the one I want. I don't care about all the mother over there in that house. You're the queen. What kind of jazz is that? Now, listen. In what that, kind of jazz is that? Uh, so, yeah. so in order to understand what's happening here, like wives and concubines, the way that it works, concubines are technically like a wife. The only thing is they're not the same. They just don't get half, Eddie. That, that, they don't get half. <laughs> was that a delirious re- or a uh, raw no, reference? Yeah. Don't yeah. watch it, folks. This was pre-Christian no. days, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> so For all of our pre-Christian listeners know that that one does not stand. Me and Andy no, have talked no, about that. Yeah, raw doesn't age well. So, Even Eddie Murphy is so, like, sorry. Yeah. For some of it, obviously, not every word. Right. So I'm going to. You mean after you made millions off of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's, we're going to wrap this up, but I want to, I want to point out something that I thought that was really cool. And it's the wives, the wives and concubines is what really kind of hit me. So let's think about Abraham. Do you remember whenever God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, that he said, take thy son, thine only son? Mm-hmm. Was that true? No, because he had Ishmael. Through Hagar. Uh, Hagar, the okay. servant. So if you remember, he Abraham took on Hagar. We say that he went in a flesh or whatever, but he mm-hmm. took on Hagar and he had a son. Now, God still made promises to Hagar and the son. Mm-hmm. However, Abraham had to put her away because of what Sarah had said. And so Hagar was technically a wife. She was a concubine. She was a handmaid, but she was a concubine. And so that's what they would do. They would use concubines to have children or for whatever, you know, purpose, you know, pleasure. But then the wife, she was, she held more esteem within the family. She okay. ran the household. Right. Well, then think about Solomon. He had what? Oh my gosh. So 700 wives or 300 wives and 700 concubines or whatever. I mean, that dude was spreading his seed all over the place. Way so, too much. Way too much. But I wanted to I wanted to point out something that I saw, which was really cool so far that what we read in first chapter one and chapter two. And we'll wrap it on that and then we'll break it really, you know, we'll get in deep in the next study. Just like Abraham, I want we always know that there's a type of Christ. So in that very moment when God told Abraham, take thine only son, do you remember what um Isaac was carrying? The wood. Okay. And then when he gets to the mountain, you know, he asks about where's the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice, right? So when he gets there and he's about to sacrifice his son, what happens in the thicket? A ram gets caught up in the thicket. Right. So when we think about types and antitypes, this is really cool. Christ, whenever he was going to be was going to be crucified, what did he carry through the streets? His own the, the cross, wood, crucifix. He carried wood. He carried the, the cross. He went up on the mountain. And God himself provided his only son, correct? And what was put on his head? Crown, Crown of thorns. thorns. And he is the lamb. Mm-hmm. He's the male ram. So those are the types and any types. So, I've, so I found this in Esther. It's kind of neat. King Ahasuerus has many names. And one of them is King of Kings. I said that in the last episode. 
He was known as the King of Kings. Can anybody name another King of Kings? Heard of one. Jesus. Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now, what happens in the very beginning is that the king calls his queen. He calls his wife, but she does not come to him. Correct? So what does he do? He gets another one. He puts her away. Mm -hmm. He replaces her. And then when he puts her away, he gets something else. Someone finds grace, favor in his eyes and becomes the next queen, correct? So think about Israel as the people that God called constantly. He was always saying, you're the harlot. You're the harlot. I call you. Even Jesus says in Matthew 23, we just read it the other day. I tried to gather you as a hen tries to gather her chickens and you would not have me. God is always calling, just like look at Hosea and Gomer, mm-hmm. that type, right? It's a very similar thing. So here we have a king, the king of kings, calling his wife for his reason, and, and, and she refuses. So he puts her away. Did God write a bill of divorcement to Israel? He does. The new covenant. The, yeah, that's Jesus, right. Jesus' blood is the new covenant. So who would be Esther in, in our world? Me and you. The bride. Mm -hmm. The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. So I see that type, right? And we'll get into it a little bit more on the next one. So do a lot of studies. Study uh, chapters two and three and four, because we might, we'll we'll try to swing into them. And then I'll write some notes, I'll share them with everybody, and then we can sort of communicate a little bit. I really want you guys to get more involved in this study instead of me just bringing notes and talking about me, because we're not going to be about me this time. We're going to be about you. Anyway, so that is it for today's show. I have a joke. What? And I'll end it. Of course. Saving it. These two old men are sitting on a park bench feeding the pigeons. These guys have been friends for years. They talk about baseball constantly. One of them's name is Mort, and the other one's name is Saul. And they're just hanging out, just talking. One of the guys says, you know, I wonder if there is baseball in heaven. The other guy says, well, I don't know. He says, I tell you what, let's make a deal. If one of us die and we have the ability to come back and tell the other so that we don't, the other person doesn't wait, just tell me. Because I really want to know if there's baseball in heaven. Because I'd like to have that young body and be able to go out there on that diamond and play a good game of baseball again. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Sadly, the next day, Mort dies. And poor old Saul. Not Mort. Mort. Yeah. Poor old Saul. He's sad. He goes to the funeral. You know, he's just kind of lonely. He goes to the park by himself, and he's feeding the pigeons by himself. You know, a couple months go by. He's just he's just so sad. And all of a sudden, a pigeon sits right on the, the park bench right beside him, just like Saul used to. I mean, Mort used to. Sorry, Mort died. Just like Mort used to. And all of a sudden, the pigeon looks up to him and says, Saul, it's Mort here. So I was like, what? What is this? He's like, Listen, he said, you're never going to believe this. I was in heaven. I was talking to this guy at the gates. His name was Larry or something. The 14th apostle? 15th. 15th, sorry. Yeah, that, I'm not sure who the 14th is. We'll have to give him a name. <laughs> so he says, talking to this Larry guy. And uh, guess what? You're never going to believe this. There is baseball in heaven. And so Saul's ecstatic. He's like, I can't believe it, Mort. He's like... It is so exciting. He said, now listen, he said, I've got, I've got some bad news. And he's like, what's that? And he's like, uh, you're, you're pitching tomorrow. 
<laughs> but is it bad news? No, not necessarily. Well, maybe. <laughs> it, maybe you really like feeding the pigeons. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Cherry. Sarita, thank you thank so you. much for being thank a special you. guest. Yeah. Uh, we'll have you here for the rest of the series. Thanks for having I'm me. I'm so excited. All right. We will talk to you guys next time on the Burrows of Berea. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs>